Good morning. In Uganda, we would say, Mukama Asimwe. And the congregation would respond with, Asimwe Mononga. And that means God is great. And the congregation responds that great is he. Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. I uh, thank Ralph for the introduction. I think he, uh, he uh, made it a little broad. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, my name is David Cundy, and I'm a missionary to the nation of Uganda. Uh, I am the manager of the House of Hope, Men's Edition, uh, in York, South Carolina. And, uh, and what we're hoping to do is what we have going on with our women right now, um, which is the House of Hope Ladies Edition, is to uh, establish a program much like Wayside Cross. And Ralph invited me up uh, to see what y'all are doing in here, and I have to applaud you. Uh, I had the privilege of uh, enjoying uh, lunch with Keith and Tyler and your elders, Ralph and John, yesterday, and I've had the privilege of meeting several of you uh, over the last day. Uh, and I'll have to say I'm, I'm blown away by how you love your community. How, how you love people who the world may look at and say are unlovable. Because I was that guy. But God in his mercy, 22 years ago, reached down out of heaven. And he pulled me out of that pit that I dug for myself. And he saved me. And I praise him every day for that. And then 20 years ago, he miraculously delivered me from a horrible addiction to alcohol that had bound me for decades. And uh, I, I, as I've heard these other testimonies of folks that, that I've met here, I'm just praise the Lord that he doesn't uh, ask us to come and get cleaned up and, and come to him in white robes and and clean hands, but he meets us where we are. Because I tell you what, I wasn't looking for Jesus Christ when he came down and grabbed a hold of me. You know, he was seeking me. And as I look back over the almost 30 years before he, uh, he saved me, I see how the saying is true that the Lord looks over the stupid. <laughs> you know, because there were many times that I should have been dead. I should have been dead straight up, uh, and uh, but he had a plan. He had a purpose for my life, even though I didn't see it at the time. My devotion this morning reminded me that God is at work, uh, even if we don't recognize it. So uh, I would be amiss uh, or remiss to stand up here before you and and talk about Uganda, uh, and I have to thank Keith for allowing me to stand here in God's pulpit because uh, I know that this is sacred ground. This is a, a holy place, and a lot of pastors wouldn't do that. They'd be like, whoa, bro, that's my, <laughs> that's my spot. Um, so thank you. I, I don't take that for granted. Um, but several years ago, the Lord said, uh, Dave, I got a plan for you. And it doesn't involve you being a cop. And I'm like, well, that's all I've done all my adult life. That's all I've done. And, uh, and he said, no, 
you're going to go proclaim my word. And uh, he sent me to Uganda, and it was a a life-changing experience. I was going over there to bless these people, and they blessed me. I came back a different person. Now, I hope we left them different people, but I came back a different person. I came back actually on fire for the Lord because I had been sitting in those pews just like y'all. Look, I was a student pastor for eight years, and uh, I shared with John. I said I was getting in the Word every day because I was teaching three times a week, but the Word wasn't getting into me. And, uh, and Uganda changed my life. I saw people freely worship. I saw people living in squalor, sleeping on the dirt because they didn't want to miss uh, a presentation of the Word of God. I saw people, we had a two-hour worship service that popped up impromptu under a tree. We're sitting under a tree because it's the only shade, and there's a hundred of us out there in the middle of the West Ugandan bush, and, and people start giving testimony on how God is good. These people make a dollar a day, and they're praising the Lord about how good He is. And I was one that sat in the pews with my, uh, uh, my greatest accomplishment is that I married up, much like many of us. Uh, I married up to a beautiful young Christian woman uh, who, uh, who took a chance. And here we are 29 years later. 29 years later, lots of ups, lots of downs. Five children, three grandchildren. Um, But I sat in those pews with her for eight years. Every Sunday she was in church, I was with her. Lost. Lost. I heard the word of God preached. I heard it preached. I heard it preached over and over again, and my heart was so hard, so bitter about the things that, uh, that, had, uh, that I had experienced in my life. I said, how could God love me? And more so, how could he accept me as I was, as broken as I was? But I'm here to, to testify before you today, you're never too broken for him to put back together. So I want to start this morning with Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. And uh, I think I'm reading out of the, the ESV. No, the NLT. There you go. I'm on the NLT, but it's all right. He says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, yours may say you've been justified. We've been made in God's sight by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. We have some of those, right? The Word of God says that we can rejoice when we run into them. For we know they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. 
For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Did you hear those words? When we were utterly helpless, Christ died for us. He died for us so that we could have a future and a hope, Jeremiah 29, 11 says. Because he has plans to prosper us and not to harm us, right? You are never too broken for God to save. And that hope will not disappoint. And this is the message that we bring to the folks in Uganda. Navrajel means beautiful feet from Isaiah 52. How beautiful are the feet upon the mountain who bring the good news. This is Janet and Godfrey Ducci. They are our, uh, they are our ministry partners over there. And they are holding a sign that we got and presented to them a couple years ago that says hope. This was uh, painted by a local artisan, and that is our mantra when we go over there. We go to bring hope to the helpless, hope to the hopeless. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He left the glories of heaven, and he came here as a man to bring hope to the hopeless and help to the helpless. The scripture just said, while we were utterly helpless, Christ died for us. It has absolutely nothing to do with Dave Cundy. My The second song, Tyler, blessed me. It said, purge me of my pride. John, the words of John, he must increase, I must decrease. And these two people, let me tell you, they are some humble brothers and sisters. This is a, a shot of Kampala, Uganda, and East Africa. Uh, During the day, you have about 5 million people up in there during the day. And then at night, uh, anywhere from 2 to 3 million. Uh, 1.5 million of those people live in the slums of Africa. And they survive on probably our equivalent couple bucks a day. Uh, They live, they go out, they work, they earn the money, they go buy food, they go home, they prepare it, they feed their family. They go to sleep, and they go back at it day after day after day. Um, You know, a lot of of us, me included, have suffered for the things that we have done. Our suffering is consequences for the dumb stuff we've done, right? It's the consequences. You know, when I I was sharing with Ralph, uh, after God uh, delivered me from alcoholism, I was still chewing tobacco. And, uh, and the Lord was pressing on me. He's like, dude, this isn't what I want for you, right? And I was miserable, but I didn't want to give it up, you know? And so I was suffering and miserable because of me, not from anything that anyone else had done. These people are suffering. They're just suffering. But did you hear the scripture? Did you hear the scripture? What does suffering bring? We can rejoice because our suffering 
helps us to envelop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character and character, our confident hope of salvation. So when we're going through tough times, my brother here is suffering with cancer. My brother Ralph is suffering with cancer. Let me tell you, this guy is a hero to me. I see him get up and keep going and doing, but there's a reason. There's a reason that you're going through whatever you're going through. And let me tell you, when you see the joy and the peace and the love of these people who have nothing, who are suffering day in and day out, it's inspiring. Now, there's another side of Kampala, too. There's a very vibrant, rich, modern, first world side of Kampala. But that's not where we go. Maybe to grab a bite to eat sometimes. This is where we go. This is just one of five major slums in Kampala housing 1.5 million, not just people, but souls. When I sat there, the very first time I, I went to Uganda, I sat upon a hill at a place called The Hold. It was the House of Leadership Development, and it was a mentoring uh, program for young street kids. And at The Hold, there was a back porch, and it looked out over the city, a much broader picture than this. And I looked down there, and the Lord spoke to me. And he said very clearly that, Look out there, Dave. Look at that vast mass of humanity. He said, those are souls. He says, those just aren't houses. Those just aren't people. Those are souls. He said, those are people that I love. Those are people that I want to usher into the kingdom with me. He said, those are people I want you to go and love. And that began a trajectory um, and an adventure that I could never imagine, and that's working in the slums of Kampala. Our very first time, Godfrey would not even take us there because I had ladies in my group, and he said it's not safe. Um, so the next time, we sneaky sneakied into the, into, the, uh, into the slums, but you'll see here, um, so these are the, a lot of the buildings you see here, they're made of mud and sticks. Most of the buildings are made of mud and sticks. Some of them uh, with, with corrugated tin on the top if they're really fortunate. Uh, a lot of them, uh, the Uganda doesn't have a winter and a summer and a fall. We have a rainy season and a dry season. And dry season, you know, it is what it is. But rainy season, the slums get brutalized because the high ground is for folks with money. The low ground that nobody really wants and the hillsides um, end up or, or where the slums are and the rain comes in there and we have torrential uh, downpours and flash floods and the water just comes down and, and wipes things out. There's a movie out there that Disney uh, did several years ago called The Queen of Katwe. Um, and if I don't know if you've ever seen it, it wasn't like super popular, but a young lady from the slums in Katwe became the national chess champion. Um, and, uh, and it was all because one teacher in one slum school saw something in her. 
And because, uh, you know, kids don't go to school for free in Uganda. It's not like here where you sign them up for public school and it doesn't matter. If you can't pay school fees and buy a uniform, you don't go to school. And uh, these slums are full of kids that have no education. Uh, you see the jerry can uh, right there, the little the yellow can? Uh, the yellow can is what they haul water in. They'll go down to a, because there's no running water. So they'll go down to a central collection point. They'll fill those cans and they'll carry them back and use those to, uh, to take care of business. There we go. Uh, this is a market and a taxi stand in the middle of Kampala. And uh, I don't know if you can see it with the, uh, with the light, but it's pretty incredible, the mass of people there. Those, uh, those uh, vans, those little vans are called matatus. And you know how many people you can fit in a matatu? One more. <laughs> One more. Um, folks don't have cars. Well, a lot of folks do have cars, but most folks do not have cars. They can't afford it. Gas is incredibly expensive there. Um, gas is more, it's probably four bucks a gallon uh, there. Uh, but yeah, you see all the matatus and all these people. So the folks will, will jump in a matatu. They'll come into the city. They'll shop and do their thing in that mass of humanity. And it's actually pretty crazy and, and awesome at the same time. All right, you have traffic in Chicago, right? You have no traffic like you have in Kampala because in Kampala there are no rules. But there are rules, you just don't know what they are until you learn them. And once you learn them, everything, it's like, it's like a symphony. It really is. People know their, their role and where to go and do their thing. And they roll through. You see the motorcycle in the front there. That's called a boda boda, and uh, they are the prime primary means of transportation. It cost me about a buck to jump on the back of that motorcycle with uh, with a gentleman, and he'll take me anywhere in the city. Uh, is it dangerous? Yeah, yeah, a little dangerous. But uh, if you're an adrenaline junkie, come with me to Uganda and let's jump on the back of one of them and take a ride because it's pretty amazing. You share the road. You share the road with uh, animals. You share the road with pedestrians. You share the road with bicycles and bodas and people, you know, carrying carts by hand. It's, uh, it's awesome and terrifying at the same time. All right. You, I talked about rainy season. The, there, are, there are no paved roads in the slums. Now, we do have paved roads in Uganda. There are highways, not like what we would say, but, you know, an improved road here in Aurora is probably a, a highway in Uganda. Uh, but you see how the roadways are. You see the houses here, mostly tin and just kind of put together. Um, the roads get very difficult to travel during the rainy season. So most of the time I try to go in the dry season because if we can't get in there, we can't do the work. And the world, some of the world's most vulnerable children live right there in the middle of the slums. Uh, you see there, that is not a creek or a stream. That is open sewage. 
that they are the little bridge that's across. The, well, it's not a bridge, it's a log, really. Laid across there, that's open sewage, and there's trash all around because there is no waste management to come and pick up your trash for you. No such animal. Uh, and you can tell these children clearly are not in school because they're not wearing school uniforms. Uh, a bunch of those clothes that y'all bundle up in the warehouse and they get shipped overseas, that's what the kids are wearing. That's what the kids are wearing. Or I bring a suitcase of clothes over there and it's like, it's Christmas time to, to bring over uh, used shoes. Some of these kids have never worn a pair of shoes. And, uh, but when you walk into that slum, you'll hear the word Mazungu. And a Mazungu is a white person. It's just our tribe. Uh, it's our tribal name. It's not derogatory or anything else, but you'll hear the word Mazungu, and kids will flock, and the next thing you know, there's a kid on all your ten fingers, and you're surrounded by children. And they're laughing, and they're singing, and they're just... How can you have joy in that? But they do. But they do, because joy is an inside job, not an outside job. It's not dependent upon our circumstances. Here's a, some kids that have greeted us as we, uh, as we go on into the entryway. This is the entryway into the Kalerway slum, which is one of the smaller slums in Uganda. And as you see, a bunch of kids there to visit us. Now, here's the rock quarry. The rock quarry was a wake-up call for me because I heard about ladies and children working in the rock quarry busting big rocks into little rocks, okay, into gravel, and selling it to, um, to you know, uh, craftsmen for concrete, okay, for gravel to go in the concrete. Well, they do this for about a dollar a day. One dollar a day, they break big rocks into little rocks. They use a homemade hammer. It's a piece of wood with a piece of lead on the, uh, on the top. And these aren't men doing this work. These are ladies doing this work. The men are up on the side of the hill, like you'd see there. You see where it's a little blackened uh, on the, uh, your left side of your screen? Because they burn the face of the rock to make it more brittle. And then they get up there with chisels and sledgehammers, and they break it off. And the men will carry it to the women, and the women and children will break it up for about one U.S. dollar a day. Well, I went there, I said, can't we buy them hammers? And they're like, no, because hammers don't work for them. They have created this device, this homemade hammer that works for them. You know, when we go overseas, we want to bring all our Western uh, ideas over there and we want to fix it. We don't need to go over there and fix them. We need to go over there and love them. They don't need fixing. They've got it worked out. Can we help? Absolutely. But they don't need to be fixed. And uh, I learned that very quickly. Here's laundry day. And uh, there is no washing machine. They get them some water and they put it into a, a basin. They pour it out of that five-gallon can. And they clean it up. So this little boy is, uh, is finishing up his little bit of laundry there in the slums. Aren't they cute? They really are. They're, they're, they're just... Incredible. You just want to wrap your arms around them. During COVID-19, we weren't able to go in, in uh, 2019 or 2020. Sorry. We weren't able to go in 2020 
we had raised uh, raised the funds to go, bought our tickets and everything, and then COVID hit. Uganda shut down the country for six months. And during that six months, more people died because they couldn't get access to health care than died of COVID. Uh, the, comp- this, uh, the country was on complete lockdown. No one could fly in or out of the uh, international airport in Entebbe. So Godfrey said, let's go to work and save some lives. And so we started sending funds over. And when, when Ralph said, I'm the president of Naragel USA, there's like five of us, okay? <laughs> there's five of us, and we support the ministry over there. So we started sending extra money over there. We sent uh, Bibles. We, sent, we purchased through the Uganda Bible Society about almost 1,000 copies of God's Word in four different languages. And uh, Godfrey went and picked it up. And he started distributing the word of God to people in this crisis. We also started um, started uh, distributing food. The young lady over here sees a single mom has what five youngins, or is that six? One, two, three. Okay, so I think there's two moms there and five kids. Um, she couldn't feed her children, so we bought her a big giant sack of corn maize. And we said, go out there and sell it. Go out there and sell it and make money for yourself. So she went out and she sold that maize, that, that maize flour. And then she went and bought two goats. And she turned her money around. See, that's what we're about. We're about empowerment. We're not about giving people a hand. We're not about feeding people. I'm not going to hand John a fish. I'm going to go out there and teach him how to fish. Now we're going to teach, we're going to get these ladies out of the rock quarries. We're going to get them doing good stuff uh, that doesn't break their bodies down. And here's a couple other ladies with some of the, the relief stuff that we gave them during COVID. You see here another group of people. You see the smiles on their faces? Look at those smiles. And they're not just smiling because we gave them something. Smiling because of the joy of the Lord is inside of them. These are part of the, the young lady or the women's Bible fellowship that our friends um, Juanita and Chris Brown out of Pittsburgh support every month. Here's a big old pile. You see the Bibles piled up there? We've got, uh, we have soap. We have milk. The milk comes in little pouches. And uh, it's not, it's either ultra pasteurized or something, so it doesn't need to be... Uh, need to be refrigerated. Uh, those, are, those things are full of uh, flour and corn maize and other things that they can use to keep them alive. Nothing fancy, but they're not looking, they don't live fancy. They're just happy for what they have. All right. I told them we don't give them a fish. We teach them to fish. We also, in 2017 or 18, we purchased half a dozen of these uh, these sewing machines, and we brought them and we presented them to the ladies. And we said, now we're going to send someone over here to teach you to sew. And y'all are going to start making a living doing something other than breaking big rocks into little rocks in the quarry. And, uh, and after we left, a lady from, is she from here? From Village Bible Church here. She... Um, she went over there, and she taught those ladies how to use those machines, and now they're making clothes, they're making purses, they're making all kinds of things that then can, then can be sold. 
Here's some of the young men, uh, the young men from the Young Men's Bible Fellowship, and they're receiving soap and maize flour during the lockdown. I mean, look at that smile. I mean, come on. I mean, these are street kids. These are street kids that Godfrey rescued, and some of them are still living in very, you know, tight conditions, um, not ideal conditions, but they're happy. They're happy because someone loves them and someone cares about them. We were also, during COVID-19, allowed into the local prison, and we were able to distribute copies of God's Word into the prison there. These are beads that the ladies have made. They're made out of paper, and I brought some with me today. These are made out of paper, and the lady, it's incredible that they cut strips of paper and they get there with their finger. My daughter sat down with a lady for an hour and watched them make them, and she was just, she was just amazed at how they do it. But they make this beautiful jewelry out of pieces of paper. And then we can take this, and missionaries like us can buy it from them, or we can take it down to the marketplace and sell it. And these ladies are able to uh, make, make money to feed their families. This is from our 2019 uh, missions team from Lakewood Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. I'm going to jump through these. That's one of my daughters there on the, on the left. I'll brag as a dad for a minute. Um, but this is why we go. We go to show the love of Christ to these people. Um, just like in America, Uganda has a fatherlessness problem. Or a father, yeah, fatherlessness problem. Uh, dads aren't dads, okay? Uh, just like y'all, I grew up without a father. Many of y'all grew up without a father present or a father that you would rather have not have been present. And the same things happens here. You know, they have children. They go, they go to the city to work, and then they just disappear. They end up in a bar somewhere or sitting around. They make a homemade hooch out of some kind of the hops or something, and they sit around and, uh, and drink alcohol all day and hang out. We did vacation Bible school in the slums. That's my oldest daughter right there on the, the picture to the right. Now, this is a slum school. Now, the kids in the slums can't afford to go to school, so churches create schools for them so they can go. Um, we got them little uniforms there. Those young men are the teachers. They came from Godfrey's Bible Fellowship. So they came off the streets, Godfrey loved them, them, taught them the word of God, got them moving in the right direction, and here they are now teaching school and giving back to their community. It's really an awesome thing. But as you can see, uh, no frills, no thrills, there's no air conditioning, there's no, no nothing there, dirt floors, but the kids are happy and healthy and cared for. Here's some more. Beautiful little children. And I, all right, we went to the minister. I know I've got to hurry up here. The, uh, we ministered to the special needs community. There's no such thing as welfare. There's no such thing as disability. There's no such thing as special programs for the special needs community. Um, the community looks at those children and says to the parents, you're cursed. The gods have cursed you. 
But we went there. The, the uh, lady right there on the, on the floor, uh, that is, uh, she's a high school special needs teacher in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And we went out there and we spent a whole day with this community. We took care of the kids. We loved on them. We gave the parents a break. And you know how many dads I saw in that room? None. There you go, brother. None. No dads. Moms. Some grandmas. I had a grandma. She walked on the side of her foot like this. And she had a disabled grandchild. Because when mom saw that the child was disabled, mom split. Uh, and the, these, are abs- these are the, if you talk about a group that's uh, marginalized, these people are marginalized, marginalized twice. All right, here's our, uh, our, our police officers that we were loving at and another, another group here. I'm going to keep going because we've got to finish this up. Um, our young men are still meeting even during the COVID. They're just meeting outside. As you see here, this is the courtyard of our little uh, ministry uh, compound. There's a bunch of families there. Are we still on up here? No, sorry. We, we lost the front. That's okay. It's all good. We'll get it worked out. <laughs> we'll get it worked out. But, but as you can see, and I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up, um, but as you can see, uh, these, these aren't just people, right? These aren't just people. These are, uh, oh, here we go. These are souls. These are people who, in spite of their, the horrible conditions, they are, uh, they're hardworking. These aren't the people, you know, I, I have an area of Rock Hill called Green Street. People won't go out there with me. They said, those people are lazy. They won't, you know, they just, they just won't go to work. They're, they're, you know, welfare babies and every, all these other terms that they throw out there. These people are hardworking people. I mean, they, they make it happen. They make it happen, but they can only make happen what, what they can make happen. Uh, and little things like us going there and loving on them. We, we brought them backpacks and school supplies. You would have thought it was Christmas time. They got a backpack with a pen, some pencils and a couple things. They thought it was Christmas. We were able to buy a van. We fundraised for an entire year, and we bought a van for our ministry. Last year, it broke down. <laughs> so you see it there. But you know what? God supplied Someone came up, and, uh, and we, were, we came up with some extra funds, and we sent it over there, and we got the van fixed, and we got our, our rent paid on our ministry facility there. We got some, uh, some improvements done to it. So things still are going on despite the COVID. This is Janet, and you see that little boy there? That's Emma. Emma's my buddy. Emma was born to a 14-year-old girl, uh, and, uh, and we found them, Emma and her mom, his mom, Annette, or Emmanuel is his name, we call Emma, they were living on the streets, and Godfrey found them, and me and Godfrey uh, and Janet and Annette all sat down one day, and, uh, and we decided that Emmanuel needed a future and a hope, Right? He needed a future and a hope, and we were willing to be a part of that. So I sponsor Emmanuel. 
Um, he and Annette live with Godfrey and Janet. They are helping this 15-year-old girl to raise her son and teach her what it means to be a, a mother. And, uh, and one day, they're going to do great things. My girl Kristen, she bought, uh, we ran into Silas. He didn't have a wheelchair. We bought him one. David, poor David was walking around on these little crutches. It didn't fit. His foot dragged the ground like this. His big toe looked like a lump of hamburger, like a meatball from dragging the ground. And uh, we got him to a hospital that day, got his toe fixed, got him a new set of crutches, and David is rocking and rolling today. There's Emma. See little Emma? In one year, in one year, he went from that little dude over there drinking a cup of porridge and his sad little face. This was just a couple months ago. Godfrey, uh, he, he calls me Schwinkulu. That's grandpa. <laughs> so I'm grandpa, and, uh, and yeah, and now Emma is thriving. He's going to get to go to school. He's just, uh, he, he's, my, he's my heart, y'all, for real. I mean, I got my own grandbabies, but... So there's Annette, Emma's mom, and then uh, her brother's there. All of them uh, orphaned, all of them orphaned, and Annette was what we call a child head of household. She was taking care of her, her little brothers when she was, uh, was lured into a situation, taken advantage of, and impregnated. There's the village that they originally come from. Now, when we go over there, it's not all work. We did, on our last day, uh, go to the source of the Nile River, which is in uh, Jinja, Uganda, and we enjoyed a good meal and, and, uh, and took care of ourselves. God gave us a command. He said, this hope will not disappoint, right? And the hope won't disappoint. One day, your hope will become reality. Our faith will become sight. I can guarantee you that as much as I can guarantee that I'm standing right here right now. Okay. But he gave us a command. He gave us something to do in the meantime. There's a reason he's tarrying, and he's not tarrying because he's lazy or because he's slow to get things done. He's tarrying because we got work to do. He told us in Matthew 28, 19, uh, 18 to 20, right? He said, uh, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. And behold, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. And in Acts 1, he tells us we don't have to do it alone because guess what we're going to receive? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to help us get her done. Uh, Jesus is saying to the church overall, not just Oasis, but to all churches, open your eyes because the fields are ripe for harvest. The fields are ripe for harvest. So what we're asking today is, will Oasis Church help us reap a, har reap a harvest in Kampala, Uganda? Um, but you know, if you don't give a dollar today, but if there's someone here, if there's someone here that does not know for sure 
that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. If you've never repented of your sins and come to Jesus Christ, turn from yourself and your sinfulness and your way of life, and you turn to him for forgiveness and salvation, doesn't matter if you give a dollar, but it does matter if you give your life to Jesus Christ today. So thank you, Keith, for, uh, for allowing me to, uh, to occupy this space. Thank you all for allowing me to speak to you all. And uh, God bless you all. Mukama Simwe. Amen.